2: This is Kincaid and Breckenridge, exclusively on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge
1: on News Talk 770, our Highlights podcast. Quite a conversation today. We revisited the debate over whether plasma donors... Uh, could or should be compensated. The group Friends of Medicare joined us. They're very much opposed to the idea.
2: Yeah, then we just open the phones, and uh, we, you know, we get a lot of interesting phone calls from time to time. We got one in particular, but uh, we heard from you on this controversial subject. It's Kincaid and Breaking Ridge. You can listen to us weekday mornings from 9.30 to 12.30 on News Talk 770. And hey, welcome back. I'm Roger. That's Rob. Yes. We're, we're we're besties. We follow each other oh, on yes. Twitter. Well, you're on Twitter. Uh, Wait a I, second. I thought you knew I was on Twitter. No, I. I Are didn't you even know. on Twitter? I hadn't heard. If you're on Twitter, you should follow me on Twitter. I should. Okay. And then I'll I'll tweet you. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> awkward. Hey, uh, we've been covering this story for a couple of days now, a couple of different ways as well. But this idea of paying for plasma. Spoiler: We already do. Uh, this idea of paying for plasma seems to be quite controversial. Now, we spoke with the, the doctor. He's a lead at this plasma uh, collection center in Saskatoon, would like to expand beyond Saskatchewan into uh, B.C., Alberta, and Manitoba even. Um, but it's not as though uh, you can just you know rent a space and hang a shingle. There's uh, all sorts of hoops to be jumped through on this matter, and one of those hoops is convincing people that there's nothing amoral or immoral about purchasing plasma from people who would be donors.
1: Right. Now, again, this isn't blood that would go into the blood donor system where someone needing a transfusion. We're not talking about this. We're talking about uh, donating blood. The plasma is used to, to create different pharmaceutical products. Uh, now, this this practice is banned in, in certain provinces, and this became an issue last week when B.C.'s health minister said, you know, we don't think we'd have an issue with this. Um, and we, we would probably allow this uh, in in Vancouver. This company wants to open up uh, a clinic in Vancouver. There, there's talk of opening one in Alberta as well. Alberta's health minister was asked about it last week. Uh, she says she's got some concerns about this, uh, that this idea makes her uneasy. So it's unclear whether uh, this company would get a rough ride in Alberta, whether we're going to go so far as to to prohibit this altogether. But there have already been calls on the government to act preemptively. And and ban this outright.
2: Now, part of the comment out of British Columbia was, I don't know why it would be a problem since we're already using a lot of American plasma protein products, which are purchased from donors. In the States, it's pretty commonplace, apparently, to go and get a little something in return for sitting down in a comfy chair for about 90 minutes to three hours and giving some plasma of yourself. Well, here's what Canada Blood Services themselves said in February. That
1: access to the commercial paid plasma market is essential in assuring enough supplies so that Canadian patients continue to receive the life-saving therapies they need. While some have argued that a parallel paid donation system for plasma could mean fewer volunteer donors, the experiences of other countries suggest both paid and voluntary plasma donation can safely coexist. Uh, So that from Canadian Blood Services. Joining us on the line is uh, Sandra Azakar, executive director of Friends of Medicare, one of the groups in Alberta, calling for a ban on this. Sandra, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you for having us today.
1: Well, explain that. I mean, if Canadian Blood Services doesn't have an issue with this, why should anybody else?
3: You know, I, I think that that's um, it's a good start to this conversation. I, I think uh, the, the Canadian Blood Services was actually created so that that we could have a, uh, a regulated uh, and uh, national blood collection um, agency that oversaw. Um, and it, I mean, this was created out of out of one of the 28 recommendations that were made in 1997 by Justice Kriever, um after the blood tainted uh, scandal. And um, its full responsibility was for the operation of this blood supply. And one of the the basic uh, recommendations and the most important one was that uh, the Canadian blood supply was supposed to ensure that we did um, meet our, our national needs when it came to blood um, and plasma and, uh, and all the other um, um, areas that they uh, have been charged with and tasked with. And so... Um, for them to say, um, to abdicate their responsibility, uh, their main responsibility and, and reason for being, it, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, it, it's hard to take when, when um, a public agency who's supposed to be providing a public service is, is okay with contracting its services out.
1: Is that
2: fair to suggest that collecting plasma is through pay would be contracting their services out, or are you just talking about the division between Canadian Blood Services and this particular clinic?
3: No, I, I think overall it's 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 exactly what it is. I mean, you got to take this this uh, story is more than just uh, a health story; it's definitely a business story. Absolutely, plasma has become uh, a liquid gold, and the pharmaceutical companies uh, stand to gain a lot of money if they're uh, not. Um, regulated uh, more thoroughly and, and some of the, uh, the reasons why the Canadian Blood Services was put into place are actually um, completed uh, and, and carried through. And so for us, it is a, 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 the Canadian Blood Services abdicating it, its responsibility to Canadians and the reason why we spend billions of dollars on that agency.
1: Well, wait a sec. Is Canadian Blood Services required to to produce these pharmaceutical products? That, that's not their role. No,
3: no, that's not their role. That's not. But that's state. what
1: this plasma is for.
3: The plasma is, is definitely to produce those services. But when it comes to um, one of the biggest uh, um, reasons why why this uh, private for profit company wants to come in is to address the issue of supply. Right? And what we're saying is that that's the role of the Canadian blood services, that they're supposed to be in place to address the issue of supply and demand. So opening it up further to to further privatization doesn't do our, our public service any good. It, it undermines the existence of our of our public... But we're not
1: privatizing it. There's no Crown Corporation producing so on, this. We get it, it, it from it's the United States. As right? Health Canada has said, we get 70% of just immuno, uh, immunoglobulin.
3: It was made from paid donor
1: plasma from the United States.
3: Right, that's correct. Yes. It's a huge business. It's become an over $11 billion, bin, um, billion annual market. You know, the United States is known as the Opic of Plasma Collections. And and you're right, but we have the responsibility. Over 41 nations have now become self-sufficient, and we pay the Canadian Blood Services over a billion dollars every year to ensure that we do have enough supply so that we can meet the needs that we have with with, uh, the plasma and all the uh, products that are made.
2: Well, isn't that an argument then for going down this road, for paying for plasma? If if we're spending a billion dollars a year on Canadian blood services, then why wouldn't we want to contract this out to someone who will pay that money themselves and uh, uh, maintain uh, the, the same standard?
3: You know, that's, that's, I, I think that, that you hit a, a really good point in terms of what some of the arguments that are used to privatize public services uh, are. Um, In a private in a private corporation, um, the uh, the money the uh, CEO is accountable to the shareholders and and the profit and and for its profit shares and so forth. In a public system, we um, we're accountable to Canadians uh, to provide quality, timely and accessible services. So for us, if if the system is not uh, managing our resource, our public resource uh, uh, appropriately, then we need to be looking at what we need to do with that CEO. So, and um, for us, if they're not doing their job, then perhaps we need to look at somebody else that can actually do it.
2: Okay, but that's an argument that's often, that whole shareholder accountability thing is an argument that's often uh, trotted out to explain why governments can do better work than the private sector can. I mean, you don't, you don't do uh, uh, good by your shareholders by neglecting your customers' demands. If, if there is demand in Canada for plasma products and there's a way to do it ch- more cheaply, more effectively, more efficiently into a higher standard, why wouldn't we do that?
3: Yeah, but, but that's the question, right? Uh, is it a higher standard? Because all it, all, all it takes for, for another tainted blood there would be a virus that we don't know right. um, economic downturn where we have people that um, are needing money and donating their their of themselves to, to make ends meet. Um, all those things come into play when you're talking about standards. So, um, you know, how do we regulate? How do we ensure that our blood supply is not going to be compromised by those things? Okay,
2: well, yeah, let's ask you that question, though. How do you, what makes you think that the private sector would have a lower standard than Canadian Blood Services did at the time of the
3: tainted blood scandal? Well, it, it was obvious through the fact that 30,000 Canadians um, were infected. Um, and so uh, at that point, we needed to create something that was uh, national, that it was regulated, that was actually under um, more of a microscope when it comes to accountability to the safety of Canadians.
1: All right. Well, as Health Canada's pointed out, we've never had any kind of virus transmission through plasma products. that blood transfusion is, is a different issue. Uh, they also point out that private companies, uh, five, private for-profit plasma collection has existed for decades uh, in in this country in manitoba in particular so th- this is not new and they also point out by the way that no country in the world has been able to meet their need for plasma with a solely volunteer model you, you talk about being self-sufficient that's just not the case
3: well 41 nations have according to the the world health organization so um, what are you talking about the case blood blood donation are you the talking about enough? plasma
1: the manufactured plasma product
3: I, I you know I, I think like i said it's it's a, a situation that needs to be uh, looked at in terms of allocating um, control over of 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 over the resource and now I don't know, um, I mean, the, the Canadian Blood Services was set up at a time when, when Canadians' uh, faith was at an all-time low when it came to, to blood products. Now, um, what we have been doing since then is falling asleep on, at the wheel when it comes to allowing all these companies to come in and, and basically taking from something that should be a public resource and turning Wait, it, all it all into a Wait, all these
1: companies? What companies are you talking about? There, there's one company in Manitoba that's that, been doing this. Now, now we've correct. got another one that's got one clinic in Saskatoon. And that's it. Right. You're acting then, as though we got these, these all these big companies doing this. We don't.
3: But these companies actually send the, the products out to other countries, and then you get into the whole... Following the money is really easy when you get into the whole... Um, uh, you know, fragmentation of the uh, um, of the blood and and the, and uh, and the products. So it does it does play into other players, the pharmaceutical companies that come into play as well. So it does open up the market to other companies, not just the ones that are collecting the blood here.
1: But that's what we're talking about. Are the companies here that collect? The product in the first place. They're they're going to be private companies. If they're doing voluntary donations, then we're not even talking about this. So it's not a conversation about whether private companies should be involved in producing plasma products. All we're talking about is whether the people who donate to these companies should receive some compensation.
3: Well, it, it, like I said, I think the conversation is a little bit bigger than just simplified to whether or not we should be paying people. We, um, it definitely does impact the uh, the. Uh, the, it, when you turn a public resource into a commodity in in the healthcare care system, it does become an issue and it does become a problem uh, paying donors for for uh, uh something that that um, can potentially save lives and um, and and then turning it into a, a motive where you are actually commodifying and and, uh, and marketizing a, a a resource and it becomes an issue when you're talking about health care well, it's know, commodified. Have-
2: it's a commodified anyway Sandra. at what point does my blood and my blood products become a public resource.
3: It's it's a public resource in that it's in there for you to give. And it, you know, for us,
2: so currently, my blood is a public resource.
3: That's correct, yes.
2: While it's in my body, whether I want to donate it or not, it's a public and, but, resource. But
3: that's your decision, right? No, hang on. This is really
2: fundamental to what you're saying here right now. Oh. Is my blood my property or is it a public resource?
3: It, it's, in, it's your property while it's in your body, but when you're sharing it with the rest of, of uh, the populace, then it becomes a public resource. It's a finite public resource where people are, are, have it in them to save other people's lives, and that's what our voluntary system is based on, right? It's That's what our universal health care is based on as well in terms of um, us helping each other to ensure that everybody has access to uh, proper health care.
2: If no one would donate, though... What would you do?
3: If no one would donate, then, then this is, like, I guess, it becomes a, a policy issue for not for people like us to, to uh, demand that people donate or not. It comes to the work that the Canadian Blood Services needs to do to ensure that they're doing their end um, to complete the reason why they were created to begin with.
1: But this was never their, their mandate to create therapies and treatments, or pharmaceutical products. No, product. their,
3: their mandate was to ensure that we had enough supply. Uh, of right, And we do. We, and
1: we do. And that's that's what's interesting. We got the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders. It was spoken out on this. They congratulated the Saskatchewan government. They say it's unacceptable in Canada, which is self-sufficient in red blood cell collection, that we only collect enough plasma to eat 20 percent of our plasma product needs. We import about 80 percent. From donors, paid donors in the United States. So we pay more for those imported products and we're competing with the rest of the world for access to these products. They say people with rare disorders need these products. If if Canadian provinces are taking steps to generate more of that in Canada, that's going to benefit people with rare disorders. So what's the alternative to this?
3: Well, the, the alternative would be for Canadians actually to be able to create our own, our own uh, uh, components, our own plasma, our, our own pharmaceuticals that come from all those blood products. That would be the alternative.
1: Who would do that?
3: Um, the CBS is, is uh, should be tasked with that if, if they require more resources if they require more um, money to be allocated for the management of this resource then then that's what they should be asking for as opposed to um, sending it out there we send our products out to the US or to Europe and then we have to buy it back it doesn't make it doesn't make business sense to do that mm-hmm. so instead of doing that why don't we do our own um, Processing of this of this uh, resource and and have it available for when we when we need it. Some of that that, uh, product doesn't come back necessarily to Canada. And when you look at the free trade agreements, if there is a a lack of supply in the United States, for example, they get first bid in terms of of, uh, plasma shortages and so forth, because free trade allows that to happen. So why don't we protect our own populace by making sure that we do what we need to do within our own borders, as opposed to having to rely heavily on other markets.
2: Okay, so now we're back to the the business question about how we should go about paying for this, because we do have to pay for it. So you you just said that we should either uh, fund Canada Blood Services to the point where they can establish a program that satisfies Canada's need for plasma, local plasma, or we can have a private entity, a Canadian private entity, um, pay for it themselves, pay their donors, and then convert the plasma into plasma uh, protein products. So it's, it's better than to have the taxpayer in general fund Canada Blood Services in a less effective manner than it is to just allow the private
3: sector to handle this. Well, that's not exactly what I said. I said that we should be um, expanding the work of the CBS, of the Canadian Blood Services, as opposed to uh, contracting out whatever you want to call it. Uh, What I'm saying is that we need to look at what we need here and and be able to provide and and manage our, our, uh, our resource allocation in a more effective way. Um, and by doing that, I think we would, would be able to, um, you know, build on the legacy of all those Canadians that died as a result um, of of. Uh, of the- of the blood-tainted scandal
1: in the 1980s. But isn't it interesting that the Canadian Blood Services doesn't want that mandate and doesn't think it needs that mandate? They say this is not a new practice. It's been common for decades. It is safe and acceptable to patient groups who use these products and recognize this practice ensures security of supplies, as outlined in the Dublin consensus statement. That, that's the position of Canadian Blood Services, yes. is that this has been going on for position. decades. It's, it's safe, it's acceptable, and it's done around the world.
3: You know what, and, and I think again, um, the CBS was created for a very specific purpose, and, and if they don't, if they don't understand the role, then, then definitely what needs to happen is that we need to relook at what the CBS is doing, and, and perhaps. Take a look at what else we need to do to make sure that they're actually meeting their their expectations and, and the reason why they were created. And I'll say that over and over again because if that's what they're saying, then we there's definitely something wrong with with um, the service that they're providing.
1: Okay, Sandra, we appreciate you make some time for us here. Thanks for joining us.
3: No problem. All right, Thanks.
1: Sandra Azakar with uh,
2: Friends of Medicare, their executive director. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, uh, as you might say, Rod, that's, I think that's a tenuous argument um, that if we do need more plasma uh, uh, produced locally, produced in Canada, then uh, Canada Blood Services should just be mandated to ensure that it happens. Meanwhile, you've got a private sector player stepping up right now and saying, actually, we could we're, we could do that. We're ready to go.
1: Right. So should this worry us? 974-8255. Let's take a break. We'll open the phone lines up. When we return, it's Kincaid and Breaking Ridge on News Talk 770. All right. Can I just read a little bit more from the, the statement from Canadian Blood Services on all of this? And this is an important point. Canada, the United States and Europe have strict standards for collecting plasma and turning it into pharmaceutical products. That means all donors, be they paid or volunteer, must meet specific criteria to be eligible to donate and their donations are thoroughly tested. As an added safeguard for patients, manufacturers also use technology that eliminates viruses. Most of the products we buy are sold worldwide and are subject to regulation and licensing in multiple countries, including Canada. Uh, So this has been going on for decades. There are strict standards and rules around how this works. We're already importing plasma products from the United States that are obtained from compensated donors. What's the problem here?
2: Yeah, that's the hardest part about it is that we already get plasma that we buy from people's arms. And the notion that blood is is a... national resource a public resource i don't know if i can get my head around that because if that's the case then you should just take it from anybody you want shouldn't you why would they ever run ads that say there's a need right now for o positive or something like that just go get some (laughs) i (laughs) guess you could right i mean it's a pretty vulgar thought obviously around people when it comes to
1: transfusion canadian blood services says we collect enough plasma to meet patients needs for these treatments you know we could run into shortages from time to time, as you say, with certain blood types, but we do collect enough in this country for transfusions. But it, when it comes to producing these, these products yeah. and the te- technology has come a long way since the Creever inquiry, by the way, mm-hmm. we just don't not any anywhere close to it.
2: All right, let's uh, get to some phone calls here. Uh, Steve. Hi, thanks for the call.
1: Hi, uh,
4: the, uh the, that lady from friends of socialism or friends of government staff or something along those oh. lines should have hung on a little longer for the, some calls. But anyways, um, this idea that uh, unless it's done by the government, it's not wholesome enough for the Canadian population. I mean, basically, like, really, look who the source is. This woman is all about union jobs, and that's basically her bottom line, period. And that's her only thing, because she has no argument.
1: Okay, Steve, appreciate the phone call. I mean, look, friends of Medicare, I I, I think I'd agree in, in principle. They are more of an ideological group, a political mm-hmm. group. Um And and look, they've got their agenda fine, but I I didn't really hear a a solution to just say, well, you know, let's let Canadian Blood Services do that. They're specifically saying that we don't collect anywhere near enough when it comes to plasma products. So even if we put them in charge, what are they going to do? How are they going to increase the, the number of donors? They don't, she didn't offer a plan. They don't
2: seem to think that they can do it. And in the meantime, though, we're entirely dependent upon a privatized sector that does this. So it has been for decades. It has been, yeah. but again, so yes. It works. It's working just fine. You just have to look at the data, and uh, you'll come to that conclusion quite readily. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. If this. If the suggestion is basically, a, and you put it to a vote, you, you know, you, if you got the town hall together and you said we've got option A or option B, and one is everybody chip in some money and we're going to get this board over here to make sure that there's enough plasma drawn from your arms at the end of the day. Or option B is we got some guy over there in a real slick suit and he wants to pay you each for some plasma. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of us that are going to uh, decide that we need to communize this this endeavor, not, particularly not if there's a, a willing businessman to get it done for us to a particularly high standard, I might add. Right. And we're still going to
1: rely heavily on the United States. I mean, having one clinic in Saskatoon and you got another that exists in Manitoba, a different company, and then maybe they'll open one up in Vancouver, maybe later down the road, one in Edmonton or Calgary. But that's, that's small potatoes. That's not a lot. They'll do a little bit more. We they won't have to import as much, but we're still going to import most of that from the United States. And that's been the case for a long time. And it's just odd that groups like Friends of Medicare have had nothing to say about it up until now.
2: All right. We're going to pause here for the news to 1130. 974 is the number to reach us. We'll be right back. It's King Caden and Breckenridge on News Talk 770.
1: By the way, I, I don't know if we pointed out. We should clear up. There's this company that, that operates the clinic in, in Saskatoon. They want to open up in, in BC and in Alberta. Uh, it's either a, a tax receipt or a $25 preloaded Visa card. That's what, what people get who mm-hmm. go down and donate, right? So it's not you know $1,000 or anything like that. Or it's not even straight up cash.
2: Yeah. It's not. Uh, I don't know why, by the way, they'd rather give you that cumbersome preloaded credit card than the you know, straight up cash money. I guess it's because um, uh, you can't, you know, buy drugs with your preloaded credit card, right? I suppose. So it kind of fills that, uh, uh, satisfies that question. Right,
1: because to some people, that becomes the ethical quagmire here is that the the people who are going to do this are more likely to be the poor, people who, you know, need money to buy groceries. And is it wrong that someone would have to, you know, sell their blood to put food on the table, et cetera?
2: Uh, do you want to explore that, or should we just go back to the phones here? <laughs> let's go to because the phones. Uh, see where the people just, go with this. But is the state... Sorry, I can't not answer it now, but is the state now just going to s- decide that only people of certain means should be allowed to uh, participate in the medical system in, in some way, shape, or form? Like, for example, if I'm willing to give my liver, uh, give up a liver donation, are they going to check my bank statements at the time of my death and say, uh, guy's too broke, don't take his liver?
1: Right. Well, again, I mean, what's... Where, where, where does blood come in? right? It's not as though you donate blood and you're now, you don't have that blood anymore, right? <laughs> you donate a kidney, that kidney ain't growing back. You're, you're now down to one kidney, which you're probably okay. But that, that's, that's a big thing. It's very invasive to remove that kidney. You go down, you get blood, and, and you leave, and then a couple hours later, you're fine. Yep. Right? So how is that any different than, uh, you know, hey, we want to collect hair uh, to make wigs for cancer patients. We'll give you $20 for your hair. you go in you sit down they cut off your hair your hair grows back what's what's different about blood now we're concerned on the other side about you know the safety of the blood supply etc but okay that's a separate question we can
2: manage that are you afraid by the way if you donate your hair that that person might commit a crime oh and uh, leap DNA.
1: well look i I donated my hair it never hasn't
2: grown back (laughs) It's it's a cautionary tale people hi steve thanks for waiting there how you doing
4: Women have the right to control their bodies, but if they sell their blood, they're looking at jail time?
2: Well, I don't know about jail time, but... (laughs) No,
4: No, the point's taken. Yeah. Everything about this woman and her lobby group is offensive. First, it's the Canada Health Act. Medicare is not a generic term. Look up Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. Okay? The other thing is, you know what you can't die from in Iran? Kidney disease. Because you can buy a kidney in Iran,
5: mm-hmm.
4: which is immoral. It's, it's, it's the, um, the moral thing to do is put you on a waiting list. If you don't get one in time, then you die. That's the moral thing to do. She was raised by our social studies teacher. She's probably under the age of 30. Every time she said corporation and profit in your conversation was deliberately meant to sound like it was dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. This is a generation that will never figure it out. They're not going to make it. Everybody's a victim, and the bottom line is it's a practice. that you guys said, wait, roll it's it back, already Steve, roll happening. It back. What do
2: you mean this generation? What do you mean by that?
4: I'm talking about your generation. You're not going to make it. You cross one stupid line after another, and it will take <laughs> me 20 minutes to, in bullet point form to list everything you're going to get wrong. I see. And this <laughs> is just okay. one. Oh, you can laugh about it, well, but yeah, you and I to you. will you never go hysterical. toe-to-toe on this. In a
2: meaningful fashion. What does that even mean? Toe to toe. Steve, how was the, uh, How did
1: we handle this? How did how did your generation handle this issue differently? How did we do this better thirty years ago? Explain well, that to, to me. To be
4: honest, we actually didn't. Hmm. Well, actually, no. I'll no tell you what it is. Only four percent of can. One hundred percent of Canadians believe in, in health care, but only four percent of Canadians have a blood donor card. So, which is really support talking about it or showing up on 13th avenue downtown and having a needle stuck in your arm which is the real no, part here
1: well you didn't answer the question you want to make this a generation generational issue we had the tainted blood scandal under the watch of the oh, previous that's generation
4: what I'm saying. we we got it wrong too i'm just saying there are many things that are coming up that well, uh we're
2: doing a lot better job of it I, I i would say this generation's got it figured out yeah at the risk of deviating too far off the path, I would like sure. to have that get that bullet list from you sometime because I don't think I'd be terribly well, afraid we'll to go to toe to toe, toe with you.
4: in my day, you, you you didn't hug out a child's problems. You let them feel bad, and then they create coping mechanisms. Your oh, generation uh, wants to hug out every problem. The child, you know. Earlier today, you wow. talked about how the police have to look like a paramilitary outfit. They don't look user friendly anymore. Steve, do you, well, the chief went do you listen down to the that show? Road because the kids today are so are you kidding me steve hang on i can stop here for a second you think
2: you think that the police changed the cars from blue and white and red to black and whites because kids today are so soft they're prone to committing crimes if they're not intimidated by the police Uh, ah those are my words do you you agree with that do you agree with that statement steve
4: no, I don't say I, I. prefer the old look. But here's the thing: when I walked into a mall in the 1980s, yeah. you didn't know who was a security guard. Now they're all dressed to look like paramilitary, with their flashlights and their black vests and their their their. their and, the, segues
2: and their segways and their yellow has shirts looked, yeah. has
4: gone toward looking intimidating for a reason. And I'm not the behavioral psychologist behind these changes.
1: I right. see. Do we have, do we have more crime today than than in the 70s or 80s or less?
4: Oh, that's a good question. The difference between now and then is you oh, didn't the have less. five on one. The answer's you didn't less. have cell phones and the ability to call up your buddies you, like in the '70s, you didn't have all these knife See, attacks. You know, I this, this, this begin is the weird thing.
2: Here, here's the thing: well, we're going to we have, have more knife attacks this summer. Man, okay, actually, yeah. this is the weird thing though, about this phone call, Steve, is that it, it sounds to me, and I think it sounds like this to a lot of people who are listening that might disagree with you, that you're talking about the way you feel about things, as opposed to showing up to us with a lot of data. And and you you typically call us with a tremendous amount of data about things like government payroll and about uh, uh, where government is. Uh, inefficient and ineffective, but on this matter, you're telling us that that you have a feeling that the world is worse off because we are now uh, accepting of, or I would put it differently, less violent towards certain minority groups. The one you called out being the transgendered community.
4: No, no, but I, I, I not can... violence against them.
2: I, I didn't say you called for violence in my against day, them.
4: You had to figure it out. And we didn't hug out our problems.
2: Right, but you beat. (laughs) These people were were often uh, targeted and victims of violence to the point where they were shunned into a corner. Are you saying that was better than it is today?
4: Okay, let me put it to you this way. In my day, when you got a trophy, you earned it. There was no such thing as a participation trophy.
2: Okay, that's fine.
4: So what's that about? In my day, if you went up five goals in soccer, you didn't lose the game because you were too good at it.
2: Yeah, so, no, and, and, and I've never
1: I, yeah. I've never experienced that. My kid plays soccer. I've never seen that. I know
4: you don't experience it, but there was discussions about making that a rule. Oh, you it's, cannot it's not. win by more than five goals. Now where does that come from? I
2: don't know, parents. So thirty and forty year olds.
4: And where does that attitude come from? <laughs> All
2: right, Steve. It's a good question, and we'll leave it at that. You've had a lot of air time. We're gonna take a quick break right here. You're listening to Kincaid and Breaking Ridge on News Talk seven seventy. If you want to declare a generational war a, hey, you got to come with an with the argument, make it specific. We can do that. But here's the thing that bothers me, and this is why I will never be one of these guys who piles on the millennials. People are piling on the millennials, by the way. Have you noticed that? It's like trend, piling on the millennials. I, I see w- a lot. Yeah, I don't know what it
1: has to do with this issue, mind you. I don't even know how we got on
2: that. It's, I'm just talking, yeah, I don't either. I'm just talking, though, about the general, you know, the, the, the preponderance of people who want to, you know, uh, hack on one generation or another. I can point out to you how every single generation complains about something. And well, they complain of, about the generation after them. <laughs> right. Well, one of the loudest ones to complain, though, are the the golden uh, generation, if you will. I don't even know what you call, I guess, baby boomers and pre-baby boomers who are upset about uh, government um, uh, handouts for seniors, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's got a knock. Everybody's got a complaint. Everybody is dragging us into the mud. Let's not pretend it's one generation that's screwing everything up.
1: I, I think Steve's a baby boomer.
2: I think Steve was a baby boomer.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, we, we really did, uh, as one uh, texter put it here, gone, uh, gone off the rails here. Because we were talking about uh, the blood, <laughs> blood <yeah>. system, <laughs> blood donation, compensating uh, people who donate to, to make these, these plasma products, which are used to create a lot of different uh, life-saving, life-altering treatments. And we mentioned the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders. They're very encouraged and very excited that the government of Saskatchewan is showing some leadership and allowing this clinic to set up uh, to make a difference, to allow more of this to be collected and created in Canada, B.C. and Alberta. uh, I've got some decisions to make. I'm not sure on what planet this is somehow an issue about
2: generations or millennials.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that that did get us a a little
2: off the path. All right. I wish we could try and get back on track here with Aziz. Let's let's see
1: what we can do. Aziz will save us. Uh, Aziz.
5: Hey, guys. Um, uh, Steve is an interesting fella. I like him. But here's the thing. You know, me, I feel like m- more deregulation in, medical, in the medical industry and, and in the educational industry and all that stuff is going to serve everybody better. Uh, we don't need the, the federal government to tell us, oh, we can't or can donate blood. Uh, medical Anything to do with medical stuff is provincial responsibility. Uh, one thought, you know, I did not go to post-secondary. Uh, from high school, I went into the workforce and I noticed that, uh, you know, post secondary institutions love to produce socialist minded individuals. You can't go up to these guys and you tell them, hey, we need to cut money or we need to cut taxes. They'll, they'll lose their mind. And, and if you tell them, for example, um, it's a, it's an alternative that we should have for people to donate their blood. They're like they they, they they're like, Oh no, no, the moral high ground, you know, we're 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 semi saints, we need to go around save the world, save the environment and, and increase everybody's taxes. You know, I I think it's more a value system and not a generational system. And I honestly think North American universities today produce socialists, really. And you know the work, the uh, the free market, the workforce produces people that look after their pennies, and and and, and yeah, there. When you look after <laughs> when you look after your pennies, everything is so so simple. You know, everything is so simple. I need this or I don't need this. I want this or I don't want it.
2: Yeah, uh, as I, I mean, look, as long as we're kicking theories around here, I I, I attended a post secondary institution very briefly, but listen, I came out of there with a bit of a ah. Uh, I mean, I went in there with a bit of a socialist bent, but I came out of there with a more capitalist bent because I looked around and I saw that this entire world is uh, survival of the fittest. I think that socialism is the default position of the unachieved. The idea that if we just pooled our resources as a community, then we could all have. But I think the reality is that when you get tired of uh, the idea that you would pool your resources with someone who is demonstrably slack ass, you would uh, uh, f- find socialism would be an affront.
5: You know what? I mean, pooling your resources is a very effective way in the free market to reduce costs, Right. Now, me, my personal experience.
2: Well, I agree with you, but let me ask you this, Aziz. You come from a family, I imagine? Yeah. <laughs> you got a mom and a dad, maybe some siblings? Oh. Uh,
5: yeah, I, 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 I don't come from a plant. <laughs> what, <you
2: mean>. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 better argument for communism than a family? That's the point, isn't it? That's where you pool your resources and that's where you do things and you look after people that you love, but you don't see it as uh, your little brother taking advantage of your parents just because he can't go out there and get a nine-to-five job. My goodness, he's only seven years old or whatever the case may be. So, like, socialism has a place, but the reality is it just doesn't work very well outside the home.
5: Yeah, to some extent, but, uh, you know, like, you can't conflate family values and socialism, uh, uh, governmental socialism as the same thing. Not at all. I mean... Yeah I mean it's out of necessity. You know the person, you see them, they're going to hold you accountable. You sleep uh, you sleep in, they're going to tell you, "Yo, stop being a bum, get a job." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But the government will never say that. Oh, everybody's a victim like Steve says, and everybody needs a handout and everybody needs a helping hand. Me if I sleep in, my mother will will tell me, "Okay, I'm not making you breakfast today because you're acting like a bum." And I'll be like, "Sorry, mom, I'll go work today." You know?
2: Your mom's <laughs> hardcore, dude. Thanks for the call Aziz, appreciate it. <laughs> Nobody's right.
1: Get up, go to work <laughs> yeah, get it. Uh, Let's see, we'll go back to the phones
2: uh, Is it Dallin? Dylan?
0: Uh, howdy, how's it going? Yeah. Good, thanks uh, It sounds like Aziz and I have the same mother
2: <laughs> <What> <laughs> Interesting She's a loving, loving soul
0: uh, I love my mother anyways But she does make sure I get to work Anyways, I wanted to raise the. It really concerned me when you brought up the point, Roger That whether the government has the right to take the blood right out of you Yeah it sounds to me like she would advocate for like black bag uh, hmm. groups going out and in your sleep banging you, taking your blood, and leaving you well, without in, any. Uh, thank you.
2: In fairness to Sandra Azarcar, I, I I'm the one who created the premise, and I don't think that she subscribes to it. But the idea that blood is a national or is a public resource, excuse me. Uh, the question I posed was, at what point does it become a pu- public resource, when it's in me or when it's uh, uh, in the uh, in the blood bank, when it's uh, frozen in packets or, or whatever the case may be? Now, listen, I, I think that it's clever marketing, uh, the slogan, blood, it's in you to give. But I don't think that any organization should take that literally, that blood, the only reason it's in you is so that you can donate it to to our cause. I think we should champion blood donors, but I do think at the end of the day that if somebody profits by... Uh, their altruism I, I don't have an issue with that
0: well like, exactly and well personally i believe that free market does everything better than any government intervention or hey i i hate it when i see uh the federal government step into anyone's lives to mandate anything but i, I want i i would like to see this privatized or uh, well i guess not privatized but uh compensation for our donors yeah If, that, if right. that's what yeah, I say it's either we compensate them or we force them, and I prefer compensation.
1: Yeah. All right. Fair enough, Dylan. Appreciate the phone call. I mean, that's the other question that she didn't really explain. How are we going to get more people to donate? We, we don't generate anywhere near enough to the amount of plasma we need for these these important uh, pharmaceutical products. So, okay, fine. We'll turn it over to Canadian Blood Services or some other government agency, but how are they going to get more donors? I mean, you, you sort of uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek mentioned that we'll just force people to give well, if that's not an option, then you're right back where we are right now, that maybe if we offer people a little bit of compensation, more people will come. And that's the idea here. So even if you put it in the hands of a government agency, they may realize the exact same thing. That's the only way we can do this. That's what other countries are doing. That's what we're going to have to do here. And that's really the issue at hand is whether that should be allowed. They've created this whole other strawman about, you know, having a government agency created to develop pharmaceutical
2: products. Where does that end? We'll take a break right now and wrap up this hour. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770. Roger Kincaid and Rob Breckenridge, weekdays starting at 9.30 a.m. on News Talk 770 Calgary.